0: The first lesson this morning comes to us from Psalm 33, 12 through 22. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven, he sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds... A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Amen. And this morning's gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, 32-40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. If you were to ask my dad and my brother if there was one thing that I was afraid of, the dark, dark. yeah, the dark, and they would tell you this story that I'm about to tell you. I was 19 years old, sophomore in college. My parents lived on a street that was very dark. It was a very quiet neighborhood for for the most part. The driveway had just been paved that afternoon, and the blacktop was still soft. So as I left the house to go visit my girlfriend, Joan, Dad reminded me to make sure that I parked my 66 Mustang up on the side street about 500 feet away. So 11 o'clock PM came around. I returned home. It It was a moonless night. There was thunder in the distance. I dutifully parked my car behind my dad's car and began walking towards home. I hate the dark. Yes, even today, I hate the dark. I need light. So I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, and how do I protect myself? I whistle. So I walked and I whistled. And I whistled a little louder as I got closer to the house because I felt it getting darker and darker with each step. I was approaching the property. It had seven dogwood trees in the front yard and gardens all laid out, but it was dark. And I decided to cut across the property to get inside the house just a little quicker. As I stepped foot on the lawn, these two figures jumped out of the gardens and scared the zonkeys out of me. The whistling became non-existent, and I let out this scream. Yes, it was blood-curdling. It was a blood-curdling scream. Did I tell you I hate the darkness? I started to attack the first object that came towards me. He was a little bit smaller than me, so I went after him, and I was gonna knock him silly the other figure through his laughter wait wait it's your brother Jimmy with that dad and Jimmy had a great story to tell through the ages of my escapades in the dark today's text is not a whistling in the dark comfort it's a different comfort rather it's an assurance that what is seen is not all that is. A reminder that the fears linked upon earthly living need not have the last word in defining one's life. The story weaves a tapestry of claims about God that are embodied in Jesus and his teachings, but claims about God about the shaky and around the shaky thread of human existence. God is our Father. God's good pleasure will give us the kingdom, a treasure in heaven that is imperishable. Now these reminders of God's sovereignty and gracious protection, along with the promise of the Son's return, serves as antidotes to many of our problems of misplaced confidence, complacency, and fear of an uncertain future. Do not be afraid, Jesus says, but he adds, little flock. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is not a God As the deists would believe. This is not a God who, after creating the universe, sits back and disinterestedly watches everything unfold. Our God is a God who attends to the sparrows and the ravens and the lilies of the field, a God whose concern for humankind extends to the very hairs on our heads, a God whose desire is to give the treasure of heaven. And Jesus speaks a surprising word of comfort to all of us whose lives are speeding along at a frantic pace. Simply said, what comes as a gift does not have to be purchased with one's wealth or which the faithful are free to lavish on others in need. Not shame, but amazingly tender concern stands at the core of Jesus' words. Jesus invites us to trust that our future rests in the gracious promises and presence of God. When anxiety and fear beset us, which happens every time, everywhere, from every time and every place, snatching away our confidence like a petty thief. Yes, our confidence. Man, I'm a confident guy. Until it gets dark. Only God can restore what's been lost. In theological terms, God's providence enables a response that runs counter to the human tendency to be afraid. A response that challenges the tendency to hold on to what one has in order to protect against what might happen. Sell your possessions, Jesus says. Give alms. Sell your possessions and give alms, calling on his followers to place their confidence in the imperishable things of heaven rather than in the moth-eaten things in our own backyards. You see, Jesus raises up to us that where we put our money, where we put our investments, shows where we have skin in the game. If you invest in something, you want that investment to grow and to succeed. And Jesus challenges us with a simple test as a very simple test. Do we, do we want to live lives of taking or do we want to give, live lives of giving? Taking or giving? And I love the slide behind me. It's just like water. It hits your hand, goes right through it. We take it and we give it. The answer we give reveals the truth of our hearts and opens or perhaps closes us to the blessings that God is prepared to give. The blessings offered are known most fully by those who are no longer afraid of potential danger or darkness and death, those who live the sort of lives that many persons across time and continents cannot begin to embrace or even comprehend. You see, human sinfulness encourages us to believe that giving instead of taking will lead to destitution, deprivation, and desperation. But Jesus, Jesus promises that giving from what we have will make us mindful of the God and blessings that we are ready to receive as gifts from a God that offers us rich abundance in heaven. Being rich towards God is not primarily about putting sizable sums in the offering plate. Sorry, Debbie. I'm sorry. (laughs) Making moth and thief-proof purses in a better business strategy than building better barns. What Jesus directs instead is an orientation towards the whole of life as an abundant gift from a generous God, a gift that can, therefore, be given away and it can be given away with abandon neither receiving nor sharing is possible when hands are grasped and fingers are clenched it's that it's that food in the jar psychology thing you remember in psychology class the food in the jar and the monkey goes in puts their hand in the jar to grab the food grabs the food they can't get their hand out Being rich toward God involves, involves, as Ignatius would say, a generosity of spirit that opens our perceptions towards the manifestations of God's generosity that are always present but often at the edges of awareness, easily overlooked when the focus gets obsessive. Jesus tells of the master who returns his ho- to his household late at night to illustrate for the disciples the importance of being ready and waiting. Jesus pictures God's God donning an apron and serving a midnight banquet to those found alert and expectant. I wonder, I wonder if we if you and I could imagine this scene depicted in a stained glass window, I wonder, what would it look like to discover God in their midst serving an impromptu meal in fellowship hall? The interruption of Jesus' words today focuses not on the demands of the overly scheduled life but on God who comes in surprising ways to offer comfort to offer assurance and lasting treasure to God's little flock. Our task is to use our imagination towards those things that matter to such a God. Nikki and I were talking in the administration building about two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago, right, Nikki? Yes, two weeks ago. And we were discussing long-term plans. If you could do anything, what would you do? The answer was, between Nikki and I, we could move the staff out of the administration building into the Christian ed building onto the second floor and turn the administration building into a halfway house or a step-up place for displaced families? Could we be so bold? Could we be so visionary? Where might we see the kind of God who dons an apron and serves those who wait for the things of God? Where does the simplicity of God's tender assurance intersect with the frenzy and fretting of the anxious world that we live in? It happens here at this table, his table, a table of remembrance. And Jesus' message today is not be ready so that you will avoid punishment, no, no, but rather be, be ready so that you will receive the ultimate blessing, the blessings in heaven. After all, those ready when, when the Master returns will receive a heavenly feast. We need not be afraid, for the Good Shepherd stands beside us, in front of us, and upholds us. We are his little flock, and we will never be lost if we focus on the shepherd and listen. He now invites us all, all of us that are baptized in the triune God to come to his table and be nourished and have thirst quenched. He calls on us to remember what he did and does for us. Come and receive his blessings at this feast. Amen. Hello this is Pastor Ken Goodrich and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12 20 p.m. for our Bible studies on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses and Of course, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.